Welcome to Crossview Radio, a weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. One of the uh, hallmarks of Protestantism is the biblical rallying cry of sola fide, uh, or we could say faith alone. And uh, when I talk in those terms, I do get an interesting response from my Roman Catholic friends. They tell me something like this, but if that's true, then nobody would have any motivation to do good deeds. In other words, they argue that if my justification is not dependent upon my good works, then I would just simply live like the devil. So... For the Catholic, um, a justification which is dependent upon good works is a way of ensuring that people do, in fact, do good and righteous things. But one of the problems in this scenario is, uh, as I would argue, that the Catholic has a low view of the doctrine of regeneration. Um, What's being said, essentially, is that being regenerated is not enough to produce good works within a person. You need something more than the Holy Spirit working inside you. You need to be constantly, uh, you need to constantly be threatened that you can lose your salvation, and therefore you have to work really hard in order to avoid God just arbitrarily sending you to hell or purgatory, whatever. Uh, But the Protestant view differs uh, very sharply from this view uh, because what we acknowledge is that regeneration not only gives us justification, but it also gives us good works. In other words, God will produce good works within the believer. And no doubt you'll recall Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, where Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, so there's the working out your own fear. But listen to the very next verse where he says this, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God works in you so that you will work. Uh, God is the one causing me to work for his good pleasure. So I take credit for all the sinful things that I do, and God takes credit for all the righteous things. It is his working in me. And I say this, and you're probably actually wondering, well, where are you going with all this today? Uh, I I say all this kind of via introduction uh, because I really want to get to one thing, and we're not going to finish this conversation today, but I at least want to uh, hit maybe uh, the first half of this, Uh, and that has to do with sanctification. How is it that a Christian grows in his or her walk with Christ. Um, And it's important to know at the very outset of this conversation that sanctification is something that also requires us to lean upon God's grace, to recognize that in our own strength, we cannot produce sanctification. And this is very uh, similar, parallel to uh, justification. We acknowledge that justification Uh, is something that we can't do uh, by our own works. And we also would acknowledge that sanctification in the same way uh, we can't do by our own uh, works. And so here's actually the verse that I want to frame the conversation today, and that's Galatians 5.16. You've probably memorized this verse before. It says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, before we kind of pull this verse apart, I do want to get a little bit of context 
And I want us to, to note that Paul just spent the first part of chapter 5 describing the freedom that we have in Christ. He tells us, uh, for instance, in verse 1, uh, not to submit again to a yoke of slavery. Uh, and the particular example that he uses of that yoke is, uh, is circumcision. But what Paul says next is actually remarkable because he says, if you accept circumcision, then you're obligated to keep the whole law. And then we read this in verse 4 of Galatians 5. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. So here is um, this remarkable gospel truth that if you depend upon the law for your justification, and even on one law, even on just this one thing, and his example again is circumcision, even if you depend on just one law for your justification, you are severed from Christ. That's what we call uh, solus Christus, Christ alone. But we're in a difficult situation now, because if what Paul is saying is true, what this would seem to do is really take away my weapons for fighting against my flesh. That is to say, you know, what do I have left to use to fight against my own sinfulness. If you take away my weapons, how can I wage war on my flesh? What Paul is teaching us is that you cannot use the law to obey the law. How is it that I'm going to submit to the law and obey the law and be moral and be good and be God-honoring and Christ-exalting and all of these things? Well, what Paul says is, well, you certainly can't do that by uh, using the law to obey the law. Uh, this actually is a theme that is played out, of course, all over Scripture, um, but there's a couple other places in particular that I'd like to, to look at, or at least one passage, actually, Colossians 2, uh, verses 20 through 23, where uh, Paul writes this, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world... Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they're used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but, and here's his statement that I want to get to, they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And so Paul tells us that setting up these kinds of regulations, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, do this, don't do that, asceticism, this, that. He says, none of those things have any value in stopping your flesh. One of the early church theologians, uh, Jerome, he set out in the wilderness in order to escape the temptations of the city. In fact, he did exactly what Colossians 2 warns us about. Colossians says, None of these regulations can help you stop the indulgence of the flesh. Well, Jerome uh, goes out and tries to, to do, uh, to, to really stop the indulgence of the flesh by submitting to regulations. And so, um, again, Colossians 2 reminds us that that's not going to work. And I want to read to you uh, what Jerome writes as a response to his experience in trying to stop the indulgence of the flesh. He says this, quote, Oh, how often I had imagined that I was in the midst of the pleasures of Rome when I was stationed in the desert 
in that solitary wasteland which is so burned up by the heat of the sun that it provides a dreadful habitation for the monks. I, who because of the fear of hell, had condemned myself to such a hell, and who had nothing but scorpions and wild animals for company, often thought that I was dancing in a chorus with girls. My face was pale from fasting, but my mind burned with passionate desires within my freezing body, and the fires of sex seethed, even though the flesh had already died in me as a man, end quote. And of course, that brings us back to Colossians 2, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And that is exactly what Jerome discovered. And I think one of the problems uh, within the church today, and, and, I, and I'm saying uh, within, within Protestantism, uh, is that we have adopted um, a strategy of fighting sin that is similar to Jerome's. We have embraced a philosophy of ministry which attempts to fight sin using the wrong weapons. Um, certainly we don't all go to the same extreme that Jerome went. But I think at least on some level, we try to um, do it in a, in a works-oriented way. Even those of us who already know and acknowledge that the Christian life ought to be lived out by faith and that we can't do it in our own strength. This is where Galatians 5.16 comes in. What Paul is going to do is he is going to show us how we fight sin. He's going to demonstrate for us that the Christian has a different set of tools which are essential in the daily battle against sin. Let's read that verse again. Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So here in this verse, you've got two concepts. First one is this, walking in the Spirit, or walking by the Spirit. Second one is this, gratifying the desires of the flesh. So you've got walking by the Spirit, you've got gratifying the desires of the flesh. Whatever the relationship is between these two things, we at least know that they're mutually exclusive. That is to say, you can't do both at the same time. To walk by the Spirit is not to gratify the flesh desires. And we can make the opposite claim as well. If you gratify the desires of the flesh, you are not walking by the Spirit. And so we've established that the way in which we fight sin, um, or, or to use Paul's language, the way that we don't gratify the desires of the flesh, is, isn't through adherence to the law. Certainly the law is good, but we can't fight our flesh using the law. That's not a successful weapon that we have to fight the battle. But instead of leaving us defenseless, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, explains to us a better and effective tool in fighting the desires of the flesh. And that's given to us in verse 16. It is to walk by the Spirit. That is the tool that he gives to us in order to fight our flesh and to grow in our sanctification, which leaves us with only one question. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? That's a pretty significant question uh, because my answer to that question is going to have huge ramifications. It has ramifications for how I fight sin. It has ramifications for how I grow in Christ-likeness. It has ramifications for the general conduct of my life. But we aren't going to look at that today. We're going to look at that next time. Uh, but this was not all a waste today because here's what I wanted to get across to us today. The reality 
that we are dependent on the Holy Spirit for our sanctification. If there's one thing that I want us to kind of shake out in this conversation today, it is to kind of shake out this mentality that I can, in my own strength, just buckle down and do the hard work and grow in my sanctification. If that is my strategy, I will fail. And the reason that I think this is so crucial for us to understand is that all of us, myself included, we all have a tendency to, uh, to, to try to do it all in our own strength. And here's why. We find it easier to do than to trust. This is why I'm not a fan of these kinds of lists like five steps to improving your marriage or things like that. Because oftentimes, though not all the time, there is a tendency to focus on the doing and not on the trusting. Now, don't misunderstand me the other way, though. I'm not advocating that we don't do anything. But one of the core convictions within Christianity is that the trusting produces the doing, not the other way around. And if we're going to find ourselves growing in our walk with Christ, and if we're going to find ourselves doing the things we're supposed to do, we're going to have to be dependent upon the Spirit. And for that, we'll look at next time. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.org.